Hello, friends. This is Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow and Doyle Raider, the editors at MavsMoneyBalkan.com, coming to you for the third straight day on another edition of After Dark. This, I guess it's the second straight day. I don't know. There's just news. There's lots of things happening. Too many um, days. It, it's the second day, believe it or not. Well, the, the second for you, for Josh, we recorded on Monday, too. So the, the, oh, right. the news of the hour is that Rick Carlisle has departed as Dallas Mavericks head coach for anybody that didn't know. Obviously, you do. You're here to hear us talk about it. In short order, what seemed to have happened is uh, Adrian Wojnarowski posted the news. Tim McMahon followed up that there had been kind of simmering tensions with Luca. And Carl, Carl sent a statement to ESPN saying that he had been talking about this with Rick for a couple of days. And the bottom line is, it seems that Rick uh, made the choice to get out before things became uh, contentious. Um, because it seemed that to a certain degree, and, and I'm Doyle, I'm interested to hear your take on this. I had been getting signal flares. Not Nobody outright would say it, but just I've heard a lot that people that the Mavericks players had grown weary of Rick, uh, uh, you know, so to speak. And, and despite his being a great X's nose coach, you know, that it's sometimes it's just, you know, we saw this with Donnie or not Donnie Nelson with a, uh, Avery Johnson. Sometimes you just, you need to move on before things get too stale. Right. I, I will say that this uh, news actually surprised me a bit more, actually quite a bit more than the, the Donnie news. Just really? I mentioned you yeah, just because I had mentioned on the on the pod last night, I heard about a, uh, you know, I had I'd heard rumblings about a front office shakeup, and I knew that there were like some, you know, tensions and some friction with Luke or Luke, Luca and uh, and uh, Rick. You know, it was pretty obvious. You, you'd saw it in the playoffs that one time. Uh, I don't remember what game it was, but it was later on in the series against the Clippers when Rick called a timeout and Luca just basically keeled over and just stared at him. And so you knew that you knew that the friction was there, but with with Rick being a part of this franchise for as long as he has, that I think that's why, and just being the coach that I know he is, and that everyone in the league knows he is, he's one of the most respected coaches in the league. And with you know Cuban essentially saying for years that you know Rick would be here until his death, essentially, I think this one hit a little bit harder than Donnie for me. But I think honestly that. Yeah, the writing was on the wall, like you mentioned. Rick was going to come into the season on the hot seat. That That's a guarantee right there. And, you know, he's decided to move on. And, you know, we'll see whether Jamal Mosley moves into the into a front-runner spot, potentially. I don't know. But I think he, you know, is a candidate they could, they could definitely look at internally. Luca likes him. So, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, – it's been a fun 24 hours. After a day of processing, I will say I am much more interested in an internal promotion for a coaching hire than I am for a general manager. I do think, uh, and, and Josh, I, I'm curious as to what you feel about this. I think two internal promotions, i.e. Mike Fenley as GM and Jamal Mosley as head coach, sends the wrong message because as, as ESPN's Tim McMahon said on the low post today, Mark Cuban makes all the basketball decisions. And I don't know about you guys, because we're, you know, we're a fan site. My editorial position is, is at least for me is going to be that until Mark Cuban no longer makes the basketball decisions, this really is, is the spinning, you know, we're just spinning a, in a, in a circle. Yeah. What's that uh, Simpsons 
Simpsons get uh, porn the Simpsons just twirling toward freedom. <laughs> I feel like yeah, that's kind of yeah. what what it uh, is. Uh, Bill Clinton, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, we're, I'm with, we're all out of ideas and we've tried nothing. Yeah, but like, so thankfully like, <laughs> the Simpsons have us covered because they've covered everything. Um, yeah, I, I'm. I agree. I mean, the only the only reason you do something like this is if you the hopeful aspect is the only reason you do something like this is because you're you're wanting to get a fresh set of eyes on this and fresh set of eyes obviously means you need to uh bring in other outside voices from the organization that can give this a clean look without any preconceived notions from being already in the muck and be like okay this is what you got to do this is how you have to fix this stuff um i really feel like we should have seen the rick thing coming because considering like how like once donnie goes I, I can't believe I just didn't think like, I, I can't believe we didn't even talk about it last night. Like it should have been, it should have been written on the wall. Like Rick was going to go too, like, cause Brad I Townsend. felt like those two were kind of attached at the hip. Right. Brad Townsend just, I tweeted about an hour ago, but I missed it. He said, Rick Carl and Donnie Nelson have been friends for four decades, attended Wor- Worcester Academy three years apart. And Nelson is a big reason. Carlisle came to the Mavs in 2008 with Nelson interviewing Carlisle in his Indianapolis home. There's loyalty to a franchise and loyalty to people. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I for one just didn't even see it, and and I feel which you know, and normally like well, new GM wants a new coach, like mm-hmm. that's kind of how it works, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy. I'm trying. I know there's like a thousand different things processing, but yeah, I'm with you, Kirk, about the internal thing. I would you know, if if they want to promote Jamal Mosley, okay, but yeah, if it's Michael Finley. That gives me concerns that Cuban hasn't really changed his perspective and he's just looking to I don't want to say that those guys would be yes men, but I'm just saying I will. That... <laughs> Sorry, they're when they're when they're attached to a person, you you know, you need independent leadership in any organization yeah. that is mired in institutional inertia, which the Dallas Mavericks have been. You know, we have enough reporting right now to understand that there were two GMs and that one GM walked into into Mark Cuban's office and essentially said that I don't feel like this is correct. Cuban disagree, or, you know, a, a, the way that we're doing business, I don't like it, you know, going off of Tim Cato and Sam Amick's report from today. And Cuban disagreed that that was the nature of the relationship. Donnie, who himself is, is apparently, you know, judging by, by the sourcing is, you know, the source for this thing, for this report with Cato, who... It essentially decided that, okay, well, then I'm going to leave because this is how I view the situation. This is how Mark Cuban views the situation. His view is the dominant one. And if I'm not being heard, why am I going to work here? So if you bring up, you know, two other people who have grown, you know, who have been a part of that environment, unless they're willing to say to Mark, we need you to take a step back. You are not helping. I have detailed how Mark Cuban does not help stuff. And that's just going to be where I'm coming from this because I appreciate Mark Cuban. I am glad he is our owner relative to some of the owners in the league. That said, this whole situation just feels, you know, Carl, Donnie, okay, they still need, they needed to go. I think, or, you know, the decision was made by them and by Cuban that they needed to go from here. The question becomes, what are you going to do differently? Yeah. And that's the whole thing, right? Like there's, there's a glass half full and there's a glass half empty. The glass half full is this has been an organization that has been relatively stagnant as the NBA has rapidly changed since LeBron did the decision. 
And you could argue that some new fresh faces and fresh voices uh, to handle this new era we are in the NBA, which is obviously very different than what Donnie and Rick kind of got their chops in. Not trying to say that those guys are, are stubborn or mobile. I mean, but I mean, they might be a little bit, especially with Rick. But, uh, you know, you could you could see how if Cuban brings in the right voices and if he and if he gives enough control and power to these voices, you can see, you know, how they can handle this new NBA environment. We were talking last night on the pod. I was talking about like how, you know, the GMs of the of the Knicks and the and the Lakers are agents. And it's like everything is slowly tilt, you know, obviously the owners still have a tremendous amount of power in the NBA, but the players are starting to get a little bit more. And when you're in that environment where the players have a little bit more power than maybe Rick and Donnie were used to in, in the mid two thousands, or, or even as, as late as 2010, 2011, you might need someone else that can navigate those, those new waters. But then on the, the glass half empty is you like, we've been saying all the time, uh, you can't, fire the owner and if mark cuban does not change it does not matter whether rick and donnie stayed or whether they left if if he is still going to consider himself the main basketball decision maker mm-hmm. then it it doesn't matter nothing matters. It doesn't matter who they hire it doesn't matter who the coach is we will still see these same problems and it will repeat ad nauseum until the worst happens which is you know luca in some point in time in the next three to seven years leaving the team. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I want to, uh, I want to go ahead, Doyle. Yeah. And you know, you know, I saw that uh, McMahon made the comparison that, you know, we made last night that Cuban is just Jerry Jones. Like he, he's got his hands on all of the basketball side of the operation and every decision is, his, just like Jerry is with the Cowboys. And like, you know, it's, it's a completely like appropriate comparison. And, it is up to Mark because it will be his decision to bring in the best people he can and hopefully take a step back and just listen to them. Yes. We haven't seen him really ever do that. Will he do that now with Luca? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But, you know, that's that's where we are right now. Well, we all, none of us have been able to listen to Tim McMahon going on a low post, which was recorded before Rick Carlisle was fired, but at that at, in the podcast – you know, McMahon makes note of the fact that he thought that Rick was on the hot seat in a major way. Talks, tells some stories. He's basically serving a lot of tea during this podcast. And he, you know, one thing about Tim Cato's athletic story was that uh, Rick Carl had done a lot of adapting in the latter years to kind of make it work with Luca because he could understand that the, the, the way the winds were blowing, but McMahon paints a picture of the fact that this was not an issue of, it's it's primarily with Kara, it was a personality clash with Luca that everyone felt was irreconcilable. And and it, it just seems to be very, you know, if something like that exists, then you move forward. I will say where I'm very curious about what happens next, and I've said this a lot because one of our somebody I, I value very much said Jamal Mosley can really coach. Okay, I grant that. I'm not questioning his coaching bona fides. I just question the value of having someone, if you bring in Mosley, for example, to coach, that is somebody who Luca likes, but Luca liking, like liking your boss is of value, but it's, there's a power dynamic at play here. You, you, you know, you, there's the coach is kind of the one position that, that, you know, like think to, to Phil Jackson with Michael Jordan, 
where you know there's that definite strong bond and partnership vibe but michael for being one of the most domineering players of all time still seemed to listen to that coach and there's just got that that mix is very important and it's just something that i'm thinking about because you know when your friend becomes your boss he's no longer your friend you know yeah but the the flip 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 uh, oh my god the flip side of that though is you tell are you telling Luca no right now? Like, <laughs> like, what do you? What? Right, no, the, you have to. No, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. That's you're right to point that out. I'm an idiot. I was even talking about that this morning, where I said I, I feel like the local media and really the the casual Mavs fan base doesn't understand the power dynamic with the way superstars work now. And I'm sorry, you just you kind of got to acquiesce to Luca. I think that there are ways that you can push back. Jonathan Sharks has often talked about how the Mavs need to find a way to get the ball out of Luca's hands, but they have to give like, make the case to do that. And it's just very difficult. And so all these things that, that they have to do, the whole path forward is very difficult, but you know, that's why these guys are in these positions. And, and I, you know, I, I wonder if, Oh, I think a lot of, of older people are like, ah, this, is, this isn't good. It's a lot of pro like the, the institutional inertia going on within the Mavericks was real. Like the things just hadn't changed in a long time. And, you know, it, it, they took it as a point of pride that they had these guys in these positions for this long, but I, I I'm shocked and, and I'm still processing it, but I think in the long term maybe it'll be a good thing that they decided to make these moves now instead of being forced into them next year. Right. I think it is probably a good thing that they're doing it right now. I mean, they've made the playoffs two years in a row, kind of spun their wheels on that. And so, it's better to do this now than to let things kind of get out of control, getting testy, like potentially causing, you know, long-term harm to the organization and, you know, whether players want to actually like stick around and play here. I think the interesting thing going forward though, with both the GM job and the head coaching job open is you, you got to bring in a GM first, right? Before you bring in a head coach. Cause I think so. just can't, uh, you Cuban can't just like be like okay we're going to promote Mosley or bring in you know whoever like and then put a head coach in that you know the GM might not want I think you have to go GM first and like I said last night I think that happens you know by the 4th of July it at least it has to and then mm-hmm. you start putting the pieces in place and I think you I mean not necessarily for the GM but for the coach I think you have to have Luke in on those conversations once he's done you know playing you know with for Slovenia yeah, and <laughs> there's, uh, the, the, you know, the tension and, and all the things that we've heard about Rick over the years, like the skins were on the wall in terms of, you know, the 2011 championship. And we all agree that, like, I think we all agree that it, the last 10 years are not necessarily Rick's fault when you consider the rosters he's been given, but... Like, Luca is a different breed of young superstar that we really have never had in the NBA. And what I want to say, and I know, like, obviously LeBron was obviously hyped to the moon, but at the end of the day, LeBron was still a high school kid coming into the league. And, yeah, he wielded a lot of power early on, but he was still, you know, his most – the biggest accomplishment he had in his life was, you know, winning high school championships before he stepped on an NBA court. Uh, Luca is – 
like Luca's professional resume before he entered the NBA is like good for like the careers of I mean, certain he could, professional basketball players. He, he could fall through a void and he <laughs> would and we would never see him again and he would get elected to the basketball hall of fame in three years. Yes. That's how good his resume is. Yeah. It, it's hard to comprehend an 18-year-old winning MVP of the second best professional basketball league on the planet entering the NBA as a 19-year-old. Like that's just that's never happened. And when you consider Rick's temperament, like it, it was, t- it was always going to be something that you had to watch for. And if there's some clashing, uh, you know, you have to find a way to get around that. And it looks like, you know, this is the way to get around, you know, it just looked like it, it was starting to get untenable. And this is kind of the thing you have to do. Uh, you know, it's don't know if it's necessarily anyone's, fault it's just these it's a personality match that's really difficult when you consider where Luca was entering the league it's just different like like let's be real like Rick is a task a taskmaster like he is he is a hard ass and that is why you know we he endears us sometimes and drives us crazy some other times you know it's also why he probably gets the most out of these disappointing rosters the Mavs have put together over the last 10 years but when you've got a talent as good as Luca does that personality fit? And, you know, Luca is also very temperamental as we've seen, you know, he leads, the, you know, he's almost getting suspended for the amount of technicals he has. Like, is it a good idea to match that kind of youth, youthful personality uh, and brashness with another coach that is kind of like my way or the highway in a, in a lot of ways? Like that's, that's a tough, that's a tough balance. Like you would, so I can see why, it's led to this path, but it is still, you know, it's still, it's still weird. Yeah. Very I don't weird. know if that made sense. No, it does. <laughs> Doyle. Well, the weirdness definitely makes sense to me right now, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, this is Lucas team period at this point. Mm-hmm. Like they have, you know, we'll, we'll wait for them to, you know, usher Bob off into gambling infinity or something. And well, then they'll be finally done. And so I guess the next real steps are like, they have to completely rebuild <laughs> like the front office, not necessarily the roster, even though there's a lot of guys on this roster that they, that they could move. They're on fine contracts that are easily movable or included to include in the trade, but that, that'll be for the next GM. And I don't know where that next GM is going to come from or what they're going to want to do. I hope put a team that's as competitive as the Suns or the Hawks around Luka, you know, since they're, you know, in the playoffs and the Mavericks are not right now. Yeah. I, I want to say, like, as stupid as this sounds, let's remove the Cuban part of the equation for just a bit because it does make a lot of our, our conversations reductive because when the the end point of it all as well as, you know, it's, it's up to Cuban and like we we can we can talk all we want and if Cuban doesn't change a lot of what we're saying doesn't matter but that's not that that's not a lot of fun so like if we remove the Cuban part of the equation and you just look at this thing from a distance like what's happening in this week is not weird it's weird for, from in the sense of like yeah long tenured people are gone but like when you consider the track record, when you consider 10 years without a first round playoff win, when you consider 10 years of basically every off season results in 
plan B and plan C, and you don't even really know what those plan B's and B's and C's are if they're, if, or is it just desperation? Like you can't have the off seasons they've had for these last 10 years. You can't have the seasons they've had for the last 10 years without some sort of big shakeup. Like every NBA team, every NBA team would be doing this like after five years. Like, I mean, it's just, it's just doesn't happen. Uh, what, what the Mavs went through just doesn't happen that often. And I'm going to be very curious to see how the Mavericks can do. It obviously depends on who they hire for coach and GM, but like guys, how, how long have we been talking about like the Mavericks reputation among the, amongst the rest of the league and players in terms of getting players, obviously Cuban has a lot, a lot, a lot to do with that. But I mean, all three of us have heard the whispers about, you know, players, free agents wanting to come play for Carlisle. You know, we've, you know, Donnie Nelson maybe not being as prepared for the midnight uh, feeding frenzy that free agent typically results in. Like, I mean, 2019, him and Cuban were out to dinner with Przingis while like every single free agent, free agent signed in like the first three hours. Like, I, I'm trying to be a little bit positive because like, I just feel like I don't want to say t- the time has passed them by. Like, Rick is obviously still a good coach. Donnie still has, I think, a good eye for talent. But – the league is different and players are different and they respond to different things and they want different things out of their professional basketball team when they, they when they pick one to play for. And right. I just think this is a good opportunity to see if our fears and the whispers we've heard for the last five years or so can be either confirmed or, I mean, maybe they'll be denied, but it's at least it's different. And I think after these last two seasons – We've said. I feel like I've said this every single podcast we've done this week, Kirk. You can't do the same thing. You can't do the same thing after what we've had the last two seasons. Something had to change, and now it's changing. And we'll see if if the change is what was needed, or like I said, if it's reductive and it all goes back to Cuban and nothing matters, and we'll be Mavs, uh, you know, mas- masochists for for the rest of our lives. Well, I want to point out one more thing, and then I want to hear from Doyle. This this other guy on Twitter that some of our, our colleagues follow named Anthony Doyle has been kind of live tweeting the McMahon podcast. And he says that McMahon makes the point quite often here that the Mavs have done a lot of damage to the reputation with players and agents. And like this is why the whole start over thing to me is is important, but also the 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 guy who is at the top is still there. So no. it, I, just, it's like I also it's, feel like I'm taking crazy pills because we've been talking about this for five years and we keep been, being told that we're wrong by yeah. people that get paid by the team. M- Sorry, McMahon I had to says get that out it's there. a franchise that has not been careful and cautious enough about the human element. Well, when you have a couple <laughs> of crypto bros at the top of the chain, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, I'm sure both these guys like Mark Cuban's a nice man. He's a caring, giving man. But this, they've tried to moneyball this team for a period of years now. It's not just like recently. This is years. And it's, uh, unless there's kind of some institutional shifts at the top where Mark Cuban hires general manager X and says, I am taking a step back and letting this thing get built, then I don't, I'm just very curious as to what's going to, if anything will change. I just, I, I'm very hung up on this point. Uh, well, Doyle, it's the, what do you got? It's the, it's the point. <laughs> yeah, it is the point. And I'd also like to make another point that Anthony Doyle is a fake Doyle. Doesn't even spell <laughs> Doyle right. Like, love it. Get out of here with that nonsense. But yeah, to to your point, it's it's always going to come back 
to Cuban. And, you know, the team has rolled out this entire PR campaign for years, for years, that they're loyal and they treat their players well. And you know what? The locker room is dope. That new locker room is good. They do have top-notch facilities. They do have all this other stuff. But, I mean, they were loyal to Dirk. They were loyal to J.J., we saw that. But then they traded Harrison Barnes in the middle of a game. Yeah. And LeBron saw that. He tweeted oh, about that. He knew how it was, was not traded. right. Like, it was... Still you know, perception you thing. Yeah. Right. It's, it's totally perception. And, like, you can't have it both ways. You really just cannot have it both ways. It's a business. You can treat players well and not throw them under the bus. I feel like Danny Ainge was always trying to throw players under the bus when they left the Celtics. That was pretty toxic, and yet they've been able to field competitive teams but the Mavericks just they they just you know try to have their cake and eat it too and it just hasn't really panned out like it for whatever reason for all the frictions for all the hoopla that they roll out there it's just it's just not what the reality on the ground is yeah yeah and it's yeah it's up to Cuban he has to like he has to rebuild this thing and when Cuban bought the team, uh, Don and Donnie and Dirk were already here. Yeah. Um, so that's my single. That like <laughs> that that is my single biggest issue with some of how Mr. Cuban behaves and all this. And that when you bought the Mavericks, you were born on third base hitting a triple because it were those guys who helped push the thing forward. It, it, it was it, that that at least in my opinion. Um, and so when you do that and, and, you know, you win a championship in 2011 and that was also like the two thousands, they just tinkered, they tinkered, they tinkered and tinkered. There's none of that now. There hasn't been, you know, it's like it mostly you flip Seth Curry, who, you know, by the way, had an incredible game last night for, for Josh Richardson. And that's kind of the extent of the tinkering. Otherwise the star- you're the, trying to swim free agents. The, the, the starting lineup for game seven were all players that were basically on the roster. Or I mean, the, on the roster as of what, February, 2019, except for like Boban, yeah. like it's been the same. I mean, in terms of the guys playing the minutes and doing all the things, it's been the same roster for a long, a, an uncomfortably long time. Yep. Uh, I mean, Love, you know, love Dwight, love Dorian, love Maxi. They were on the bad teams, um, and they're still prominent players. Uh, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. was a throw-in to the Przingis trade in a lot of ways, and he's like the best player from that. Like, you know, they, like you said, they they do the thing where they 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 scour the diamonds in the rough. They're doing the Moneyball thing. You know, they want to get the same production they can get out of. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, but they want to get it out of Seth Curry or something, you know, mm-hmm. and, and pay him ten to fifteen million dollars less. So, but the you know, baseball is such a statistically driven game. Not saying that basketball isn't, but in baseball, it's it's like a one on like baseball doesn't have five guys in unison on the playing. It's just different sports, and right. I don't think you can spreadsheet you know, a, a team to, to really, to great heights. And this is not me shitting on analytics. Like you obviously no, no, need that. It's just part it's, of it. Yeah. It's, but you need talent and they have not spent money on talent and that's, that's got to change. They can't, they can't keep doing this. They can't keep doing this swing for the fences and then, Oh, well, well we can find players just as good. Uh, but, but they're going to be way cheaper. Like 
in the NBA, it turns out guys are available for the price that they are for, for a reason. Yep. So. Well, seems we all got to get out of here. Uh, <laughs> it's been a wonderful time talking to you guys as always. Let's not talk tomorrow. Does that sound good? No, nothing can happen tomorrow. Is there any, like... There's no one left, right? Oh, no. What Mark can and Mark is going to sell the team and join the space race. <laughs> right. Yeah, I was well, about to say Mark will sell the team tomorrow and so, and somehow just be even more absurd after that. I mean, there's walks away. My job here is done. Yeah, but you've done <laughs> right. But, uh, one championship banner. Yeah. There's okay. like three things. It's Mark selling the team tomorrow, it's Bob getting the axe tomorrow, or it's Luca demanding a trade. Or, those or are the, Bob, one of those Bob three things. Luca Luca is GM. playing a basketball game tomorrow, so he'll be distracted. Yes. Bob, yeah, Bob, Bob could become GM. There's all sorts of options. Oh, okay, this has been Kirk Henderson, Doyle Raider, Josh Bow, editors of MavsMoneyBall.com. This has been Mavs Moneyball After Dark. If you have missed any of our recent podcasts, please go to our feed. We're doing more pods than I would think humanly possible for 11 days into the off season, but here we are uh uh, please rate subscribe tell your friends it's very helpful our our you know clicks and viewership it becomes an upward cycle because when people like you go and give us a five-star review or even a four-star review if you're feeling so inclined and then leave a comment like uh you know i like josh way more than kirk which is really one of the comments that we have uh it's quite wonderful for us um all right everyone (laughs) this has been fun we will talk to you guys hopefully not for a couple of days but until then Be good, stay safe, and we will talk with you soon.